And good afternoon. This is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bells, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hello, Alicia. Hey, Drew. How's it going? Were you in the hospital this weekend? I was indeed. Ah, so you've got news from the front lines. Yes, indeed. COVID's back. No. Yeah. No. What do you mean? Well, we're definitely all seen anecdotally, or in my case, uh, by real numbers, um, people with COVID in the ER. Um, They're all with pretty much uh, no exception, uh, younger uh, people who have opted to not get vaccinated um, and then come to the ER feeling pretty miserable. Fortunately, they're younger. I think the vast majority of higher risk elderly people in this county have actually gotten the vaccine. Um, So we haven't been seeing a lot of people that require hospitalization, which is good. But I went for several weeks or perhaps even longer without seeing a single person with COVID. That's um, right. We were very, or or at least with symptomatic security. Yeah. Yeah, But it's, we've all been seeing several people. you know, on a pretty regular basis in, in the ER with, with COVID. When you say it's back and you're seeing them on a regular <laughs> basis, how many cases are you talking? Well, I don't, I don't, we don't have sort of the trend for the county is slightly worse, right? So we're around six cases a day now, um, which is up from two or three uh, a week or two ago. So we're definitely seeing a slightly uh, higher case count on a daily basis. The positivity is still pretty low at 1.4%. Um, but the data's stale. Uh, you know, it's Monday afternoon and the county updates on Friday. So I don't have today's data yet, but I think we're going to see a little bump over the next week or two. Um, hopefully it doesn't lead to a lot of morbidity or mortality, but definitely can see the remorse uh, when I talk to people as to whether they have been vaccinated or not. Oh, really? They're instantly regretful. Well, people, COVID's no joke, right? And, you know, even if it doesn't make you so sick that you need to be hospitalized, it makes you feel really bad mm. for for quite a while. And I saw a couple people who had been sick for a week with, with COVID, and they were still pretty miserable. No, and you say that you're seeing younger people. Mm. You're not seeing any older people? I haven't, um, and there's nobody hospitalized in the county right now with COVID, um, and it tends to be the, you know, the the, the more elderly or the people with high risk uh, medical conditions that require hospitalization, generally. So every time we come on, we get another sort of reminder that we're not done. No, we're not done, and you know, sort of the the worldwide news chatter chatter is now, you know, unfortunately trending oh. toward the fact that we are never going to be done. Um, which I guess means that we'll just do this show until the end of time. Well, <laughs> we're getting used to it, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the thing that I was hearing, I had the chance to interview um, NPR's national health reporter, Jason Bobian, this weekend. And mm-hmm. I'm going to be airing that interview on Wednesday this week at 7 o'clock. Um, but he has seen the virus spread throughout the world. And one of the things he really talked about was how the inequities in the vaccine distribution, that there are many countries who just haven't been able to get started at all. Oh, yeah, it's outrageous. Yeah, it's it's truly 
disgraceful. And one one of the things that happened actually since last week, and it was a huge sort of event um, in terms of public health policy, was the Biden administration um, recommended um, a TRIPS waiver for the intellectual property protection surrounding um, the vaccines that the federal government paid to develop. Um, so that should have happened a year ago. Um, it should have happened right from the beginning. Um, but and it still hasn't happened. Um, it's just their recommendation to the, um, I guess it's the World Trade Organization that sort of comes up with a policy regarding patent protections for worldwide trade. Um, but it requires unanimity, and it's not clear that mm -hmm. every member of that organization is going to support it. So, Right, and as long as it's able to do what's happening in India with the, it seems like, much more aggressive variants and causing this absolutely apocalypse in india right and yeah, it's it, not, we're just gonna stay sort of behind it throughout yeah. as it moves through the world and it's not clear that actually those variants are much more aggressive it's mm -hmm. just that vaccines haven't really reached india in any real number um and obviously india is very poor and very crowded mm -hmm. um so it's just been a setup for um a resurge and you know modi the the, the president of india <laughs> really mishandled it in a trumpian sort of way declaring it over when that was just as we say fake news mm -hmm. um so yeah we're going to continue to see this over and over again throughout the world and it's probably going to end up you know surging in some capacity in the u.s but still so far the data is all pointing toward fairly high degree of efficacy of these vaccines against the strains not quite as much as sort of the original vanilla covid back in the early fall when all uh, these you know, at least when the Moderna and Pfizer were initially tested, but they're still pretty effective against uh, most all of the strains that have been identified so far. Can you imagine when it was first happening that we would ever think of that as the good old days with the vanilla COVID? Yeah, well, it's it's better now, right? We have we have Vaccines. medication, yeah, yeah. So. and treatments exactly. Yes. Well, okay, so what's the news from Mendocino County? Uh, well, the numbers. the numbers, yes. Um, we've added 32 more confirmed cases in the in the course of the week, so we're now at 4,061. As I referenced, our positive our daily case count is almost six. I think it's 5.98, um, and our positivity is 1.4. Our testing is still kind of marginal. Um, we're getting just around 200 tests per hundred thousand in the county, which is adequate um, but the trend continues to be kind of going the wrong way so testing is certainly something that um, is going to require continued efforts by public health just trying to keep the surveillance up and you know we do a lot of testing actually we add to the county numbers just through the emergency room because we, we test people who are potentially symptomatic and everybody who's admitted or transferred gets tested so we are you know doing a fair number of tests at the three hospitals um not not the 160 or so that we're doing on a daily basis in the county but a fraction of those um California is still number one, lowest case counts per 100,000, um, 14% um, decline in the daily average over a two-week running uh, average. Um, nationally, we're down about 30% um, over a two-week average. Um, eight states are currently trending in a positive direction. Um, obviously not California. We're still adding about 40,000 cases a day um, nation nationwide. So... 
we are right smack average in terms of percentage vaccinated in the state of California, 34, 35%, which is the national percentage rate. Um, the variation there is 44% uh, for the state of Maine, all the way down to 25% in Mississippi and Alabama. So it's it's an ongoing effort. Let's just say that. So little by little, arm by arm. Gaslight by gaslight. <laughs> oh, now. <laughs> Glad you got to bring that up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, we had a show on Friday with the vaccine coordinators for the county. They talked about how we've achieved 77,000 shots here in Mendocino County, which to me just seems And that's just amazing. public health. Yep, that's counts. just public health. And so we know, I mean, Adventists are sort of throttled back in terms of their vaccine event just because there's not as much uptake. Um, but we know that Adventists added another 25,000 um, wow. doses, so it, at least. Um, and so that's, you know, 77, that's over 100,000 doses. Um, and we're still only vaccinating 16 and up in this county of 85,000 people. So. California might be 35% up, you know, vaccinated. We are doing much better than that here in Mendocino County, which is great. Right. And as you just alluded to, right now we are vaccinating 16 and up, but we may be vaccinating from 12 and up as soon as next week. Yes. Yes. The Pfizer is almost certainly going to be approved for children ages 12 and up. Um, perhaps by Friday, um, and I think we will be poised in the county to start doing that uh, next week. So it's one of my favorite hobbies, vaccinating children. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> you just go out and do that on Thursday afternoons yeah. for fun or whatever, yeah, yeah. find children. My, 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 my children see me coming with a needle and they run for the woods. So. <laughs> well, um, I, I, while, we're, while we're talking numbers, yeah. um, Pfizer made $900 million off the vaccine so far. Profit, $900 million. That's that's even more than the county pays Carmel Angelo, I believe. Um, that's a big number. Yeah, that's a it, very it, big it number. It is a big number. $3.5 billion in revenue. So, yeah, I think they can waive the intellectual property. We're not saying that they have to give their vaccine away. They, this would just simply require that they license it to other countries and give up the formula so other countries can start making it and pay Pfizer more money. Which they can sell that license to them? Yes. But so far they haven't, and they've been resisting it. Well, the thing about Pfizer and Moderna is that a whole lot of public money went into the development of these vaccines, right? Yes, Pfizer was paid, um, I think it was $2 billion by the U.S. government. Moderna was paid, uh, I'm sorry, Pfizer was um, given a contract, a guaranteed contract for $2 billion worth of their vaccine if it um, passed clinical trials. And Moderna was simply given a billion dollars um, to develop their vaccine by the U.S. government mm -hmm. since they were part of the Operation Warp Speed. Pfizer opted out of that. They kept themselves private. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like, did you watch that thing with Facebook and their Facebook Supreme Court where they decided whether or not ex-President Trump could come back on the platform? And, and it's like governments around the world are watching to see what the impact is going to be because this is such a powerful co um, corporation that what they do behind closed doors affects the entire world. It's kind of like that with this Pfizer, with these, um, with these bi biomedical corporations. It's like what you're doing is affecting the lives of every human being on the planet. Do we really think we should have companies that are that powerful? Well, that is a whole other conversation. But uh, 
the short answer is no, no. Um, probably not, right? But the the longer, more convoluted answer is we don't have small farm in this country. Mm-hmm. It costs a billion dollars just to bring a drug to market. <laughs> um, little vaccine makers yeah, in their workshops. Yeah, exactly. You know the the uh, Yorkville Highlands Vaccine um, <laughs> Development Clinic, right? So. It's, you know, it's it's unfortunately the society that we live in at this point. But speaking of Facebook and corporations, the county, this is a little pet grievance. I don't do Facebook. I don't do social media, which is probably why I try to manage to stay fairly well informed. Um, but the county's no longer updating their website. Uh, they're just putting it on Facebook, which seems rather pro-corporate or corporate-oriented. So a little pet grief. Um They have not... Um, updated their vaccine um, counts since the middle of April um, on their website, oddly. But it is on Facebook. So let's get with it. Let's step away from the Facebook overlords here. That is one of the bigger conversations about um, transparency and the kind of the work that we do here at KCYX and local journalists around the county do. You know, Facebook is a corporate platform. And it, I've heard. Yeah, it, and it does. It has this like terrible consequences in just its business model, um, and it's pretty unregulated. So I do talk with county folks about that, about using Facebook in that way. But the advantage for them is that it's a direct platform to the people here, and that's they don't have to filter it through us, the local media. They can just do and get it directly out, and so it's you know it's really attractive to them that way. But Again, if people aren't on that platform and they are updating public health information there, is that transparent? Good questions. We've got a lot of good questions this afternoon, and hopefully our listeners have some good questions, too. We're going to open up the phone lines relatively soon. 895-2448 is the number here in the studio, 707-895-2448. You want me to list out the vaccine opportunities in the county this week? I I think we ought. There were several that were occurring today, which I think are largely moot at this point. I think they are. Well, except for today, Monday, um, at the Ukiah Fairgrounds, they're doing an event from 5 to 7 p.m. Oh, good. They're trying to make it available for people who work during the day. Yep. And that's for Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer shots. And uh, two notes. One, if you're going in for a second dose bring your vaccination card and two last week the county made all of their events walk in so you don't have to sign up at myturn.ca.gov although they like it if you do but you don't have to so if you're just in the neighborhood and you want to go get your shot or if you've been kind of hesitating and, he, and, and any obstacle is going to slow you down, just go. Just yeah. go and get it. And, and the, the more readily available it becomes, uh, the more people will make the, the decision to get the jab. I mean, it's just it's a question of opportunity, right? Right, exactly. So, and, and it was actually kind of fun on the show on Friday. Um, Angel Slater and Darcy Antle, who are the county's vaccine coordinators, were talking about all the ideas that they were having to sweeten the pot, right? So, like, you know, doing little mixers at businesses and because ha- they said that they have a little machine that they can plug into their the lighter in their car and it's a freezer like they're very portable at this yeah. point like yeah. you know the the technology is is catching up and making it much easier to do events with these vaccines so anyway they were brainstorming ideas for that so let's go back to our vaccine opportunities this week so today monday at the Ukiah Fairgrounds from 5 to 7 this evening. They will have Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer shots available, and that's for, uh, I think, for first doses. Um, Tuesday, tomorrow at Potter Valley High School from 11.15 to 1 p.m., 
11.15 a.m. to 1 p.m. They'll have Johnson & Johnson and Pfizer second doses available for anyone who received their first shot on April 20th at Potter Valley High. They did an event there for first doses. Um, and they'll also have first doses available at this event. Walk-ins are welcome, and it's for 16 and older, as are any of the Pfizer events. Uh, Tuesday, again, at the Ukiah Fairgrounds from 5 to 7 p.m. That's Pfizer shots available. Um, Wednesday in Covalo at Covalo High School from 10 a.m. to noon. They will have Pfizer first doses and Pfizer second doses for anyone who received their first shot on April 21st. And that's again 16 and older. Uh, Thursday, May 13th at the Ukiah Fairgrounds from 1 to 7. They're expecting this to be quite a large event. This is a second dose clinic for anyone who had their first shots on April 19th or 20th, 22nd or 23rd. So that's from 1 to 7 p.m. Again, you can walk in, but bring your vaccination card if this is your second dose. Um, And then Friday in Hopland, I thought this was interesting. The county is working with the Hopland Tribal Council to, uh, to... organize a drive-through event from 5 to 7 p.m. at the corner of Highway 175 and Highway 101. So it doesn't get much more accessible than that. If you're driving home from wherever or, you know, on your way through the area, you can just stick your arm out. At the gas station parking <laughs> exactly lot there. Exactly, yeah. right, right next to the, the tie-dye. Yeah. Um, and you can get your shot there. So that's what they have got on deck for the county. That doesn't include the clinics or the, um, or the VA or uh, the Indian health centers. Or the pharmacies. Or the pharmacies. So there's a lot of opportunity. And um, Catherine just came in and brought us a posty note that said the 12 and up was approved today. That was breaking news then. Yeah, so that's coming from the posty note is our source. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, ready? Sure. Any last thoughts before we open up the phone lines? We can open them up and I'll think in between calls. Okay, and we'll have more thoughts. All right, let's take our first call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. Yeah, I've been getting emails from a relative about things like the uh, spike protein in vaccinated people is, is going to... Wait a minute. I'm trying to turn this radio down. Can you hear it? We can, yes. Ah, darn. Okay. Yeah, the... No, that's not working. Okay. Oh, darn. Oh, anyway, that the spike protein is going to be shed by vaccinated people and that it's going to make their young people infertile. No, that's that's uh, absolutely 100% incorrect. The spike pro- I, the spike yeah. protein is not shed by people. Um it is it is quickly degraded by our body's um, lysis system um, and reabsorbed, um, but it triggers the immune response that gives us immunity. Um, but there's no shedding, there's no impact on fertility uh, whatsoever. So that, whatever source that is, that is just internet garbage. Well, yeah, I think it's total poppycock, but yeah. how do I talk to this person? Is there any kind of documentation I could send him to? Well, I would, I would, I don't know what your relationship is with the individual, but I... Well, what, it's my son, my oldest oh, son, sorry, and it that. involves me going to my granddaughter's wedding or not. Yeah, so I, I, I would, the way I try to approach these conspiracy theories and sort of this quasi-paranormal ideation around the vaccine, 
vaccine or vaccines in general or anything science related or anything factually factually based um, is I ask the people what their source is um, and try to drill down on that a little bit um, and redirect people to more reputable news sources because it really comes down to where people are getting their information. Um, there is an insane amount of incredibly stupid information on the internet. You can find anything and it seems validated because people are very clever at putting junk on the internet. And usually they're grifters and sometimes they're just, you know, Looney Tune uh, conspiracy theorists. But drill down on the sources with your son um, and keep the conversation going. And there's, you know, it can be quite frustrating because it, you know, it sometimes feels like you're talking to somebody who has some magical thinking. Um, and it's, it's hard to talk around that. Um, but if you keep circling back to, you know, the basis of that belief um, and, you know, referring to published reputable sources for news around this, then that will perhaps move the needle a little bit. It's frustrating. Yeah, believe me. How would that work? Just proteins are just sloughing off of us all the time? Just all different kinds of proteins, including this spike protein? They, they fly out of our eyes. I don't know. I really don't know. I didn't know we were like creating I mean, to be sure we are pollution. sloughing we are sloughing you know a lot of skin all the time not to be disgusting but right we're, our epidermis is sloughing off you know on at the rate of a, you know a turnover every three days so it's it is true that we shed a lot of our DNA um, all the time but it's not like we are throwing these artificially induced spike proteins into the atmosphere that are going to then contaminate and somehow affect the reproductive system of our children. That's but is it is it that the spike proteins are being shed and making other people infertile? That's what it sounds like the caller's son believes. Yeah, that's, that's what you're saying. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's... Stay away from children and young people. <laughs> well, that perhaps might be good advice in general, but I don't know, it's too late for me. I have three. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh-huh. caller. Thanks for the call. Okay, thank you. Take care. 895-2448 is the number here in the studio. We'll be here until 4 o'clock taking your calls. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi, thanks for the call. So just uh, due to uh, general vaccine hesitancy or ideological incongruencies or maybe political affiliations. It just seems like there's going to be a certain subset of people that don't want the vaccine. And I'm just curious, what is that going to look like in the long run? I'd like to hear the doctor's response. And thank you so much for the show. Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I think we're going to continue to see vaccine uptake, um, you know, going months and months forward as we develop more sort of social norming of being vaccinated for this, right? I mean, there was a huge surge of demand early on by people who wanted the vaccine, and it's there's still some demand. We're doing about 2 million doses a day, down from, I think, 3.3 at a peak um, nationwide. There's a lot more vaccine uh, right now than people who want it, but there is still uptake, um, both in the county and in the state and in the nation. Um, and I think we're going to continue to see this long tail of gradual uptake, even among Amongst um, people who are quite hesitant, um, you know, going forward, I, you know, what the final number of sort of adamant people who will absolutely not get vaccinated uh, is, I don't know, it might be 15 percent, you know, sort of right around where we need to be for herd immunity, whether that's going to translate to a more protracted um, pandemic 
nobody really knows. Um, if we get to 75, 80%, we're going to start seeing significant decrease in numbers in a way that's going to be very real. We also are going to see, I think, higher levels of uptake for people who are at risk of getting really sick. And so that's that's really sort of the main driver that I have is how many people are going to get really sick and die from COVID. And if those people, those at-risk people, have a higher level of uptake, then I think we're going to be in the clear by you know early fall. With the asterisk being, you know, these variants are still out there and evolving. And the more people that don't don't get vaccinated, and the more worldwide failures there are regarding an international vaccine drive, then the more strains we're going to see developing, you know, in developing countries. Um, and they will end up here. I mean, we can be, you know, we can be assured of that. There's just too much travel and movement uh, worldwide and in and out of Mendocino County and around the country and the state. So everything's going to disperse, um, you know, throughout the globe. There's not going to be any sort of containment of any of these strains that um, have some sort of evolutionary advantage. Right, until we get an aggressive global vaccination effort really and rolling. Then, and even then, I mean, COVID is going to become just another one of these diseases in the background. It's going to be like flu or you know meningitis or a lot of these other things that we see um, pretty regularly as healthcare providers. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be out there um and you know the more the people who are vaccinated and the people who get the the booster shot which i'm sure will be coming um are going to not get sick from it and those who aren't may all right let's take our next call 895-2448 this is the local coronavirus update hello caller you're live on the air would you turn your radio now thanks hi Hi. hello so i am wondering if what what your thoughts are on a group of 10 to 20 people who have all been vaccinated getting together outside and singing, whether I, we would be, whether it's safe at all, whether we need to be six feet apart. I, I think that's, that? I, I think at this point, if you're all vaccinated and you're outdoors, I think, that, you know, I think that's entirely um, a reasonable activity. Um, that's, you know, is, is it, safe? No, of course not. But the likelihood um, that somebody's going to have asymptomatic COVID and transmit it to other vaccinated individuals, that is extremely low. And that's, you know, the risk is somewhere, you know, below the risk of getting together during flu season, for example. And so I think that's an acceptable activity. I think it being. And what about social distancing during that time? Well, I, I think that could be an individual risk assessment. Um, you know, if you're more elderly, you know, you might want to be distanced. Um, if you have risk factors for doing poorly, even though you're vaccinated, you might want to be distanced. If it's sort of a lower or moderate risk group that's all fully vaccinated, then you can probably let go of the distancing as well. I, I know. would guess we're yeah. between 65 and 75 as a group. Yeah, you, you you might want to spread out a little bit. It's been awfully windy the last few days as well, so <laughs> that would mm-hmm. certainly um, decrease the risk. Um, you know, it's just, I, I think at this point, the risks um, in that kind of a cohort are quite low, particularly with our numbers being quite low. In the back of my mind, I'm still I still have this nagging question of the variants and whether we have some of these variants in the county that might not... Um, you know, it might be more effective at making an end run around the immunity induced by the vaccine. Um, and so that, you know, that's something to consider. Um, and it, it increases the risk in some untangible um, way that, you know, we just don't have the data on yet. Mm-hmm. 
but okay, but it's we can the, get together and sing. Yeah, right. I think so. As long as it's outdoors, certainly that is that is absolutely yeah. necessary. Yeah, okay. enjoy. Yep. One Thank of you. life's joys, for sure. Yes. You haven't heard me sing, Alicia. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't invite you to the sing-along. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Well, thanks for everything. Take good, good care. Thank you. Hello, caller. I mean, no offense. Oh, yeah. None taken. Okay. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. I hope that line four is just not, not doing well today. Hey, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, thank you. Good afternoon. Uh, I was reading in Fortune magazine last week that uh, 23% of people polled in the U.S. said that they did not want the injectable form of, that, uh, of COVID vaccine. But one-third of those would take either intranasal or pill form. And I'm heartened to see that there are several companies, uh, one in Finland, uh, some in Canada, and I think at least two here in the United States working past their phase one going to do the phase two during the summer and hopefully we'll have something by next winter or spring yeah. of 2022 and that's they don't need to be refrigerated right and there's no injection yeah that and that would actually i mean that will help in the u.s for the extremely needle phobic i think but the international implications for that are, are massive if you could you know box up a hundred thousand pills and ship them to you know remote areas around the world that would really be transformative but that's unfortunately still a ways off. Under normal circumstances, it takes a while for a vaccine to be developed with, you know, warp speed or without. I mean, it's, it's unusual for a vaccine to be only, you know, produced in less than a year. Oh, this you is know, unprecedented, you, to be sure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So in the meantime, uh, those that do not want to be injected, it's still valid to do the same thing that they would do under normal circumstances, social distance wear a mask correct that is definitely my recommendation that's the recommendation of public health and cdc yes that is that is sort of the end run around not getting vaccinated um that's the rationale for not requiring vaccinations um in you know in, in employment settings um but you know the masks and the social distancing and everything else only are so effective as 580,000 dead americans can't tell you On, on that development. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good point. And, you know, as somebody who has given probably thousands of COVID vaccines at this point, um, it's it's really not a painful shot. I mean, shots, I understand, you know, people are needle phobic, but a lot of, a significant um, minority, let's say, don't even know that I've given them the shot. Um, and so it's it's pretty quick um, and it's pretty it's pretty benign. So. You know, if, if the reason for not getting vaccinated is simply phobia of needles, I would really encourage you to you know, take some deep breaths, have, have something to help you relax, and take the jab. All right. Thanks for the show. Yeah. All for right. the information. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not needle phobic, but I am almost, and it was really not a big deal. No, it's really not. I was still scared for the second one, but it, hurt, it didn't hurt. Yeah. In fact, exactly right. I didn't notice. Yeah it so let's take our next call hello caller you're live on the air hi um i have i'm a teacher and i have a question about uh the 12 and up yep um i am looking for a good source to share with my students about um, the of the vaccine and uh, making it clear from a kid's perspective because a lot of the stuff that is available is uh, kind of opaque to middle schoolers. 
um, and was wondering if you guys had a source. And I'll take my answer offline. Yeah, so I, the the Pfizer vaccine, which is the one that just got approved, apparently, you know, from some sort of mid-morning today until I came down to get on the radio station, um, went through a large clinical trial on age uh, kids 12 to 16, as I recollect, because it's already, or 12 to, you know, just under 16, um, because their initial trial uh, tested all the way down to the age of 16. Uh, so Pfizer, unlike Moderna, was approved for 16 and up, which is why we've been vaccinating uh, adolescents who are 16 up in this county. Um, they published their data um, about a month ago, maybe not quite a month ago, um, looking talking about the 12 to 15 cohort that was um, in the randomized control trial. Um, that data was quite reassuring. It basically mirrored the data that we were seeing for the older population, uh, which is to say it induced very good immunity um, against COVID, um, and it also had no uh, adverse events when compared to the children who got the placebo, right? So these are all randomized, controlled placebo trials, um, and there were no adverse events um, in the vaccinated group when compared to the saline group. So that would be the trial um, that sort of needs to be discussed in the school setting and in doctor's offices uh, when talking to parents around, you know, vaccinating children. It, you know, it, it appears to be equally safe and equally effective in uh, children ages 12 to 15, as it has been shown um, in people ages 16 and up. All right. Thanks for that call. This is the local coronavirus update here on KZYX. We come to you every Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. I'm Alicia Bales with Dr. Drew Colfax, and we've got the phone lines open. 895-2448 is the number in the studio, and we will take our next call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Hello. Yeah, I have a couple of questions. Um, so the vaccine how long do you think testing they'll be offering the free testing in the counties? And the reason I'm asking is because I'm working on, I'm an event organizer. And so I'm just trying to figure out, well, the impossible really, but <laughs> if we are going to require testing or a 72 hour test in order to participate with this festival that we're hoping to have, it occurred to me that we might not have testing forever. So if you have any insight on that or the booster shot, I, that would be great. Yes, I, I I don't have any direct sort of inside knowledge on how long we're, we can anticipate having OptumServe, um, which is really our only avenue for testing in this county. Um, I, I suspect that it will con- will remain operational um, really throughout the year um, because there are not a lot of options, and public health in the state of California recognizes the need to continue to maintain surveillance. So I, I, I would plan, uh, if I were in your unfortunate position as an event planner during a pandemic, um, I would I would plan on that be still being available um, you know through the course of the summer and into the fall. They've also gotten much, much better. Um, as we mentioned about the turnaround time, it used to be, you know, 10 days or 13 days or 19 days. Um, but now it's it's actually it's dropped um, oftentimes to less than 24 hours, uh, which is, you know, the way it should have been from the get-go. So they've obviously been able to grease the mechanism of doing 200,000 tests in the state of California daily. That's 
great. All right. Well, thanks for the information. Sure. I I, yeah. All right, bye. Bye-bye. And I guess the second part of her question was the booster shot, and that's still that's still just speculation on my part. Um, we don't. There's no. There's no booster shot that's in late trials, um, but that will almost certainly be developed and uh, rolled out in the fall. I, I, I expect. We'll has, the, has there been any uh, news about the vaccine starting to fade? No, the vaccine um, durability, the, the immunity induced by the vaccine seems to be still quite durable, um, which is actually, you know, it's it's less durable for the eight or nine percent of people who haven't gotten their second shot. Um, and so that's, you know, that's a good reason to get your second shot is because the immunity induced by just one of these two dose vaccine series doesn't seem to be um, as long-lasting or durable as we say. So we'll see. And as for the booster, we, you know, ultimately it might not be necessary if we continue to see this really high efficacy um, against these strains of the current vaccine uh, formulations. I, you know, hopefully, hopefully that's the, the case. We'll see. All right, let's take our next call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Oh, hi. I have some potentially good news to pass along. Good. Uh, uh, Pfizer is requesting that the FDA, this is according to the financial press, uh, full approval of their vaccine. And if this happens, this means institutions like uh, U.S. military organizations and so forth can start requiring it rather than just recommending it. Right. Also, it means that Pfizer can start advertising it directly to consumers. And I, I think I can see the <laughs> television commercials already. Children running through fields. I, of yeah, flowers. Don't don't get me started on you know medical advertising. I mean, oh, talk, I know. talk I about know. a bird. This is, this uh, is, yeah. I, I don't approve of it, but this might be different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just to be clear, I mean, all along these three vaccines have been under what we call emergency use authorizations. Right. Um, and the, the full approval is it's a it's a laborious um, you know bureaucratic maze. I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, but I suspect that they will get that full approval um, perhaps as early as the end of this month. Um, yeah. Well, that yeah. I'm right. not quite as optimistic that we're going to see any requirements. Perhaps with the exception of the military, which obviously wants to maintain um, you know combat ready troops. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's going to translate to requirements in any other sector. Well, of society. I think businesses maybe. Who knows. Yeah, we'll see. It's been it's become so politicized. I, I I think the business are are going to continue to do end runs around it. And you know, actually, speaking of you know requirements and how to get people vaccinated, there's increasing data, increasing talk about just incentivizing um, getting vaccinated, like literally cash payments um, or beers. Oh, Somebody yeah, was saying yeah. that they they were passing out free beers at a at a brewery. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe we need to have a vaccine. Oh, darn! Event. I'm already vaccinated. <laughs> I know that that's the frustration, right? Why should we? Why should it be incentivized for the vaccine hesitant? And the answer is, you know, it, it's probably obvious to most listeners. You know, the more people get vaccinated, the safer we are. Whatever we it are. takes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right, okay, thanks. Well, that's all I had. Yeah. No. Thank you for that. All right. Thanks for the okay. call. Yeah. I mean, uh, schools require a whole regimen of vaccines for kids to to go to attend. It's not a dog. It's not a subject that is. <laughs> lightly approached by anybody however you know it's we'll see we'll see whether it, it happens yep all right 895-2448 the phone lines are open wow 
Speaking of breaking news, the WHO talk about a lead that should have been buried. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, Alicia, but they announced that the coronavirus is airborne. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> now we know at yeah, last. I, I was just—I was like, couldn't they have just put that in a footnote somewhere on a back web page of some site of theirs? But that anyway. was like a headline. Yeah. For the, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yep. All right, let's take our next call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Hey, hi. Um, so my question is, if I'm going in for my second shot, mm-hmm. and so I'm curious if there's anything, um, because I take herbal things and uh, vitamins, like uh, fish oil or uh, D3 or other um, vitamins, should you watch what you're taking or antihistamines? No, I mean, all of those things would be fine um, in the setting of either the first or second uh, vaccine um, or, or for any of three of these three vaccines. They're not going to affect the efficacy of the vaccine. Likewise, for the antihistamine, um, acetaminophen or Tylenol, ibuprofen or Advil, all of those medications are completely safe to take um, around uh, the time of vaccination or for, you know, the several days thereafter. And of your supplements, I mean, the the most sort of uh, robust data uh, showing utility is the is the vitamin D. Um, it's, you know, we actually do have some data showing that people who have low vitamin D levels don't do as well when they get COVID. Um, but if you're getting vaccinated, then that becomes less of an issue. But, you know, definitely take all of your supplements as you've been doing without any concern. Oh, cool. Okay, well, thank you so much. Sure. All right. Okay, bye. And good luck with your second shot. 895-2448. This is the local coronavirus update with Dr. Drew Colfax, and we'll be here until 4 o'clock, so that means we've got about 15 more minutes for calls. So if, if you've been trying to get in, you got some time now. Indeed. So I also, last week we had a caller um, who wanted me to look into this Pfizer vice president president um oh yes i I dutifully did look into that and it was just another very rich crackpot in europe somewhere so not a lot of news there unfortunately but it was investigated by me um way to follow up yeah wrong on the facts wrong on the science but there you go yeah there's a lot of stuff like that out there we call it disinformation hello caller you're live on the air Hi, good afternoon. Um, I just wanted to um, make a comment about the Facebook or the county only posting um, the vaccine information on Facebook. Yeah. Well, earlier on, a few, quite a few times, they were only posting the dashboard right. on Facebook. And I called them um, multiple times and said, you're only posting it on Facebook and those of us that don't aren't on Facebook, don't have access to the information, they got a lot better about um, posting it on the website. So I think if you bring it to their attention, whatever information they're not posting on the website, they're pretty receptive to getting that. Because I think it's the people there are so used to Facebook is the only thing they do, you know, the people that are posting it, that they forget. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I mean, I, they have certainly gotten much better at um, publishing much more data over the course of the last year. Uh, but they, for example, still don't publish testing data for the county. Um, that that disappeared, um, despite my railing um, <laughs> against that failure. Um, but yet, I, yet, I, re- <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Um, so, when they quit doing that, and yeah. I agree with you, they should have kept 
posting that information as well. Well, uh, let, me, let me just clarify. They are posting the vaccine opportunities on the website. That stuff yes. is being posted on the website. There's even a button next to each event that you can sign up for. So that's not the issue. I think the issue is... Though you no longer need to sign up. That's right. You yeah. can just walk in, which they posted on their website and on Facebook. Uh, but, but so that information is indeed on the website. And that's where I've been getting it along with the Friday announcements that they've been making here on KZYX. So um, I think it's the stats that aren't being Correct. updated. And, and much regularly. like you, much like you caller, I don't do Facebook. So I, I go to the county website. That's where I pull the data. Um, I pull it from my, my network in the hospital, um, from other providers. But I'm not going to go to Facebook. I haven't ever, and I will not. Right. Right. Well, anyway, thanks for the show, and I just, um, I know I have questions, things come up in my mind, but I can't think of any of them right now. I'm just going to finish listening to the show, and thank you very much for being on, Dr. Drew. You're welcome, and we'll just anticipate your questions and answer them, so don't worry. (laughs) That sounds wonderful. You do a pretty good job of that as it is. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye. All right, thanks a lot, caller. Hello, caller, you're live on the air. Yes, I wanted to ask a question about, um, I have an allium, uh, an anaphylactic reaction to allium, and I'm wondering if those shots contain any alliums. Allium as in the flower? Allium as in like garlic and onions and things like that? Okay, okay, sure. no, they do not. Um, there, there's nothing in that uh, in any of the vaccines that's um, natural, shall we say? So, you know, for for those homeopaths among us, um, there, this is not exactly your cup of tea. Um, but there's there's no reason for you to be concerned about having an anaphylactoid reaction from the vaccine um, due to your reaction to alliums. Um, so that's fine. I mean, we do know that a very small you know, percentage of people will have an anaphylactic reaction. Um, and since you do have a history of anaphylactic reactions, your observational period after the vaccine will be extended to the full 30 minutes, both for the first and second shot if you get a two-dose uh, series. Uh, um, okay. But that's, you know, that's it. Um, and, you know, anaphylaxis, while incredibly dangerous and very scary as a practitioner, is very rapidly controlled with the right medications, which are present at every one of these vaccine sites. Um, so that's that's just a, you know, that's a, a reaction that has been recognized and has been managed quite effectively. I don't think anybody in the entire country has had a fatal anaphylactic reaction from the vaccine. Um, I haven't seen a single report of that uh, from anywhere. Right. Well, I, I, my reaction, at least, you know, obviously so far, 74 years, has never been, I've known since I was two, never been... Um, you know, death-related, like people who are, you know, allergic to other things. But um, I uh, do pass out. Well, that's... And, you know, then people will call ambulances and all sorts of weird things. That's my fear. Is... Yeah, loss of consciousness will usually get an ambulance uh, dispatched. It just tends to work that way. But yeah. I would, you know, I don't know if you've been vaccinated yet. I, I presume not since you're calling no, me the question. No, I haven't. But just make sure if and when you go get vaccinated that you, know, that you have a history of you know, if you've passed out, that suggests that your blood pressure has bottomed out, which then puts you in the category of a full anaphylactic reaction. Right. Um, and so you would just be observed for an extended period at the vaccine event. All right. Thank you. Sure. 
Thanks for that. Okay. And, and and she can go to her provider as well to get the vaccine, right? And so maybe she can be, you know, she can lie down and well, have not all privacy. providers have the vaccine yet. I mean, the the health centers are administering the vaccine, but most of those events are still um, event related rather than in the clinic. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take our next call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Lots of calls today. It's good. Hi, how you doing? Good. Good. How are you? Doing pretty good. I, I appreciate the show. Uh, I think it's a healthy to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, my question to you guys or to the general overall public is this. The mainstream media has lied to us for ever since they came out, like, whatever, 100 years ago. Uh, they, they told us, gotten us into wars. They've lied to us about drugs. They've lied to us about all kinds of things. And we find out later, Agent Orange is healthy. It's fine. Agent Orange will never kill you. Right. Why at this point should I believe in the in system that has lied to us for generations? Um, it's like the boy who cried wolf. I, uh, like, and the, the vaccination might just be fine. I, I'm not saying it's not. Sure. And it's hard for me to believe that. No, Thanks, guys. Thanks for the show. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, it's it's true. I mean, we have a, a fraught history with information coming from, particularly the federal government. Um, you know, for for generations. I mean, I, you know, I'm the child of parents who grew up during the Vietnam War era, um, and there was not exactly free and um, good information uh, flowing to the general public around that event. Um, and you know, there's been a long history of. Um, hidden um, and really pretty disgraceful uh, medical care rendered um, throughout the country, particularly to minority populations um, for generations, right? And so that is, I think, part of our legacy that has led to this hesitancy amongst um, some proportion of the vaccine hesitant. Um, And that's understandable. And that's one of the reasons why I've committed to doing this show for however many months now. the other problem that we're dealing with is perhaps not the population that um, is frustrated with the government's history of misinformation, um, but the population that has actually adhered to sort of more recent uh, false uh, narratives around this pandemic, um, which is why we're seeing you know vaccine uptake of 25% in Alabama and Mississippi, because those are deep, deep, deep red states, um, and there's just a sense that this is all fake news shall we say so it's it's a very good point that the caller makes um i you know i am trying to rely on the science and on the what the data what the published scientific studies have shown uh, which while is underwritten by the federal government certainly because anything that has to do with anything with health care is underwritten to some extent by the federal government but those studies are coming out of out of labs and by scientists and in university centers um, and they are vetted and you know verifiable um, and so that tends to be my source of information um, when I assess these vaccines and where we are with this pandemic and frankly with anything that I do uh, in a professional capacity but it's a it's a good point and it's simply you know an ongoing effort to try to combat um bad information um and a history of deception um that requires just a continued concerted effort sure and i want to pipe up on this one too because we do um 
you know, especially in social justice movements, we understand the way that um, disinformation and misinformation is used. And it's people know a lot about this. But the thing is, is that in every one of these cases, we've had uh, folks who are able to investigate and to fight for the truth and to find the truth. And the thing that's the different between um, what you're saying, Drew, and what and the conspiracy theorists is that the conspiracy theorists don't believe you can know. And in every one of these cases, like the Vietnam War or, you know, any of the attacks by the federal government against the left and COINTELPRO and all of that stuff, we had people who were able to find the truth because the truth does exist. And what you're talking about with the, the science and the, um, the trials and the research is that you've looked at it and you've assessed it and you're not somebody who's, you know, got a vested interest in, um, in nefarious outcomes, you know, and it is possible to know. And that's what we're doing here is trying to bring you the, the information, the good information with somebody who knows actually how to read it and who's honest and can transmit that to you. So I think, you know, it's it's just a matter of, of looking at the facts and trying to make the, the best judgment based on good information. Yeah, I, I think it's also, we are living in a new new era um, in the last, you know, generation, shall we say, um, with, the, with the advent of the internet and the multiple channels um, of news that we can all access, whether it's good news or bad news or malicious news. Um, it you know, being a news consumer is not quite the linear thing that it used to be. Um, not that you know, news in the in the sixties or fifties or twenties was was you know a, a linear process. But we've certainly moved beyond you know the big three TV stations doing their thirty minute news segment every night that all of America tuned into, and that was our you know sort of canned news feed um but now now we can really validate in some you know some perhaps fake sense anything that we that we want um bias confirmation right it becomes a real problem um you know when we're talking about health care yep we just need more media literacy it's it should be taught in schools absolutely all right i think we have time for one more call hey caller you're live on the air Yes, my question sort of falls into the, um, the conspiracy theory. I have a home that I have, two bedrooms that I rent out, and my old friend who is 70, I just found out, uh, does not want to get the vaccination, and I've had my other room not rented for almost seven months, and I um, really need to rent the room, and I was wondering what the risk of renting the room to someone that was vaccinated, what the chances of her catching it would be. Um, I'm a little in a, in a pickle here. I can't keep on <laughs> Letting her have the whole place to herself, and I didn't know she was completely uh, not get vaccinated because of um, the media. And uh, unfortunately, she's been listening to some bad information. So, so that 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 is a little bit uh, tricky, right? I mean, you have a room that you need to rent to generate income, obviously, and you know you have an unvaccinated tenant who does not need to be or does not deserve and should not be evicted for that for that fact. Um, it. I, I think that the solution would simply be to, you know, rent um, to somebody who is vaccinated, low risk, um, with perhaps, you know, your co-tenant's permission to let that applicant know that they'd be living in a house where somebody's not vaccinated and just, you know, make sure there's sort of full disclosure there. Um, and that risk would then be relatively low. I mean, I, I feel sort of concerned for the 70-year-old who's not vaccinated because that, you know, that's an age category where people really do poorly um but the risk to your unvaccinated hypothetical future tenant um would be you know would be contained by by that person's vaccine status 
Right, right. That makes sense. That's why I've left the other room empty for so long. Is because out of my concern for my my friend who's been writing for many years for me, but I can't. Um, now that I know she's refusing to get vaccinated, I can't <laughs> keep going on like this. And as well as there's just such a demand for people, yeah, places to live as well. So, yeah, no, I mean <laughs> we need housing in this county for sure. And I mean the risk to your unvaccinated um, friend slash tenant. Uh, from the vaccinated individual is also quite low. I mean, the, the, the risk of transmission from somebody who's fully vaccinated and asymptomatic, I mean, we don't have an exact number on it yet, but more and more data is pointing toward that being a very rare occurrence. So I don't think you need to refrain from renting out that second room out of concern of infringing upon the health of your unvaccinated tenant. All right, caller. Thanks very much. And that's going to do it for this week's local coronavirus update. Any anything you want to leave people with for the week? No, be safe. Um, be well. Be kind. Be patient. Um, I am calling in next week. I'm All going to right. phone it in, so to speak. Okay, so we'll be hearing from you from the road. Somewhere. But we'll still be hearing from you. You'll be here I to will. answer questions from 3 to 4 o'clock on Monday afternoon with the local coronavirus update. Thanks, Drew. Long COVID indeed. You're welcome. Long long COVID update. (laughs) We thank you very much for listening and for uh, staying tuned and caring about your health and the health of your community. And we will catch you next week. You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXMZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.